0: One of the biggest stereotypes in Hollywood is what I have affectionately named the doofus dad. You know what I'm talking about. You know, dads are kind of clueless, kind of overweight schlubs. They're good for a cheap punchline and a joke at their expense, honestly, and not much else. They show up on Disney shows, on sitcoms, in movies. As a dad myself, Sometimes I find myself wishing for a bit more nuanced and diverse representation, and sometimes I quietly kind of relate, and sometimes I'm kind (laughs) of in between. But every now and then, we'll get a movie or a TV show that challenges that stereotype, and we've had a couple of those recently that flew beneath the radar a bit, both of which focused on men acting as surrogate dads to orphans in need. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of the Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, if you're a dad, you already know it's way more complex than Hollywood sometimes says that it is. I felt like I had a week's worth of drama in my home before 715 <laughs> this morning. And sometimes just getting out the door feels like, you know, a victory of some sorts because life is complicated, but Hollywood, Hollywood can want to boil that down into something more simplistic sometimes. So we're going to talk about that today, the way Hollywood portrays dads, and we're going to talk about the recent movies, Blue Miracle and 12 Mighty Orphans, two stories that have some positive things to say about the powerful role of men who essentially function as foster dads in the lives of needy kids. Although I will say, as we get into it, there's some issues to navigate with these movies too. Joining me for our conversation today are... Emily Clark. Paul Acey. And Jonathan McKee. All right. Our topic for today is Dads on Screen. I think you know where I'm going with our opening question. (laughs) If you had to pick a Hollywood father, maybe for your father or one that you admire the most, who would it be and why? Go.
1: Tom Hanks.
0: Which time? Which time? Every time. Yeah, forget a character. We just want Tom (laughs) Hanks as our dad, right? (laughs) Did you have one in mind?
1: Um, You know, it's kind of funny because... my dad has, over the years, you know, I like my dad, so I'm cool with the dad that I have. But over the that's years, good. with all the that's sitcoms that we've watched. Just in case that he's listening, watched, right?
2: That, that's good. That was good.
1: <laughs> no, but with all the sitcoms that we've watched over the years, you know, he's compared himself to various characters. And the one that always seems to stick is uh, Frank from Everybody Loves Raymond. Ah. Mm. Uh,
0: so. Okay, I'm confused. He was not played by Tom Hanks. Did I miss the turnoff? <laughs>
1: You did not miss the turnoff. Okay, did, did you have
0: two answers?
1: Uh, yeah. The, the other one would be um, red from that '70s show. Ah. So the, that he just like kind of has that grisly personality, kind of like you know has derision in his eyes when stupidity is happening. Uh,
0: <laughs> okay.
1: But it's kind of like a family joke because I think my dad is much better than either one of those dads. But yeah. Okay.
0: That's good. That's very All right. good. Who's up next?
3: You know, when you uh, first asked this question, I was thinking it might be what dad you identified with the most. Well, and you could go that way too. Nah. Well, if I was going to answer that way, it would probably be Grug from the Crudes, <laughs> right? I he feels well, a little bit I, that's what I was. Uh, thinking. He feels a little bit out of his element and doesn't know quite what to do. And he tells his kids that they if they do something wrong, they're going to die. But he really means well, and he wants to send his kids to a greater tomorrow. And I like that. If I was going to pick an ideal dad, I don't I think there's just one answer. Atticus Finch.
0: Yeah. Right? Ooh. From
3: To Kill a Mockingbird? Yeah. That is the type of dad that I would want to be, filled with all this wisdom with a much deeper voice. It would be really cool. Okay. And would you want
1: him to be your dad? No, I like my dad as it is. <laughs>
3: but right? but if I was going to be like the dad that I would want to be for my own kids. Yeah. I think it'd be, be I think it'd be Atticus Finch.
2: Jonathan, what about you? Oh, man. Um, Well, I, you know, it's funny. Again, the question is, what dad would you want or what dad would you want to be? If the answer is what dad would I want to be, there's no question. I want to be Brian Mills, which is... Liam Neeson's character in Taken. Ah. <laughs> that's that's the dad I want to be. Not that answer. <laughs> I, I, I want a special set of skills that I can use to go save my daughter. Um, but uh, I don't know uh, if it was which dad do I maybe relate to the most. I'm going to really have to go with probably... Um, that Everybody Loves Raymond dad played by Ray Romano because I could relate mm. to him the most. I mean, when I just watched that show, I was like, he gets me, man. <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> his, just his relationship with Deb, you know, and like how sometimes Deb would be like scary, you know, but most of the time he was just really in love with her, but then he would do stupid things. I was like, that's me. So uh, I think that's the one I relate to the most, but I want to be Liam Neeson and Taken.
0: Okay, I have to confess that I thought I had come up with a really creative answer with Liam Neeson and Taken. You're, You're going, going to be Taken. Uh, but you took it. Um, oh, my goodness. That's <laughs> that hilarious. So, well, great uh, minds. But, great you know, minds. here's why. I wanted it for a somewhat ironical reason. I, My particular set of dad skills is often lacking. And so <laughs> I actually... I don't aspire to have the particular set of skills that Brian Mills has. I don't need to kill people or hunt people or any of that business. But, you know, like, dad, where's the screwdriver? I don't know. How can we have so many screwdrivers and I can't find them? So I want dad skills like organization, like the dads that have the place in the garage where every tool has oh, its... Oh,
1: you would love my dad's garage. Its <laughs>
0: outlined place where it's supposed to be yeah, like yeah, a crime scene, okay. you know, it hangs here. My yeah. dad has one of those too, <laughs> actually. I am not that dad. My, my garage looks like a crime scene for a totally different set of reasons. But, but uh, in the spirit of, um, of cheating, since you took the one that I was going to pick, uh, I am going to go with Russ Durritz. Anybody know who Russ Dueritz is? Mm-mm. Extra yeah. credit. This is this is a deep cut. So this is uh, Bruce Willis's character in The Kid. And if you've seen Bruce Willis oh, yeah, the yeah. Kid from the year two thousand, he is not really a dad. He's visited by his eight-year-old self, and his eight-year-old self is deeply disappointed by how his 40 year old self has turned out (laughs) and and he functions then as a dad for much of the movie but in some ways the eight-year-old self functions as the parent too so Mm -hmm. uh, it's got some issues but it is a pretty delightful movie about fatherhood and You know, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about fatherhood. We're going to talk about it in a broad sense because I want to start by uh, diving into a couple of these movies that I would describe as under the radar. Like, you know, we all know when the big blockbusters come out. You know when Black Widow comes out, for example. Last week it came out. Uh, But these movies, not only do you not know when they came out, there's a pretty good chance you haven't even heard of them. Uh, Blue Miracle and Twelve Mighty Orphans. And and as Providence would have it, our very own Emily Clark reviewed both of those. So give us the 30,000 foot summary of both of those movies real quick like and, and why and how they might be encouraging to dads.
1: So Blue Miracle is uh, based on a true story, and it's about a group of orphans who live in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico at the Casa Hogar, which is an orphanage, and it's led by Papa Omar. And uh, back in 2014, they entered the Bisbee Black and Blue, which is an international fishing competition, in order to win the prize money to save their orphanage. And they team up with Captain Wade, who's this grizzled old boat captain. Doesn't and he's really, played
0: by Dennis Quaid, he played right? By
1: Dennis Quaid, and he doesn't really like kids, but, you know, they all work together. And um, in the end, they all learn, Papa Omar and Captain Wade, they both learn what it really means to father these boys because, you know, these boys have nothing. And if they lose this competition, they're going to be back on the streets again, which is really dangerous. But um you know papa omar is not willing to give up he is willing to fight for them and captain wade learns what that means you know to fight for your children as well
0: here's the deal you and three of your least annoying orphans will be on
1: my boat for the competition
0: when i catch the winning fish we'll split the earnings to print And what about 12 Mighty Orphans?
1: In 12 Mighty Orphans, so also based on a true story, this takes place during the Great Depression, um, a very prominent high school football coach, Rusty Russell, travels to Fort Worth, Texas, to the Masonic Home, and with the intent of becoming a coach for the football team and teaching, he and his wife are teachers as well. And
0: and there are orphans at the Masonic Home, is that right? They are all
1: orphans, or um, some of them have families, but their families have just abandoned them, so they've got nothing they have no parents no they don't even have shoes to play football with you know but you know he and his wife they just step in and they start parenting these kids teaching them how to become young men and young women and uh in the end the boys end up going to the texas state football championships um and they have and to fight a lot of discrimination they have to, along they the have way to too. fight against Everything. The odds are stacked against them. People don't like them. People think they're nothing. But, you know, uh, the coach, he never gives up on them. He's always fighting for them. He's always telling them they're worth more than what the world tells them they are.
3: The thing about football
2: is it teaches teamwork and discipline, and those are key elements to survival.
0: And it sounds like they're really stories about fathers who persevere, who persist, yes. who stay engaged. They're, and, I think that's and they're what...
1: not perfect dads either, you know? They really teach you, like, it's not about being the perfect dad. It's about showing up and trying your hardest.
0: Okay. And, and that one in particular is PG-13 because it's got a fair bit of language, uh, a couple scenes of abuse that yes. are, are really difficult and, and some some other suggestive language involved. And so... This one is one that it's one of those examples of something we run into it plugged in of a a sweet movie a movie that has a lot to recommend it, and yet it's got enough content that you would probably don't want to put it on with your young children. But yeah. I think I think both of these, Twelve Mighty Orphans, maybe more for an older teen audience. Oh yeah, um, could be movies that could be really great discussion starters. You know, if you're looking for something that is different than, you know, it's not Black Widow, right? Uh, we often say, oh, Hollywood doesn't make any good movies anymore. Well, here are two that while they're not perfect, could be really, I think, good options for you.
3: Yeah, they really have some strong family messages. I actually ironically saw both of these movies and they, they feel old fashioned in the best sense of the term right? They, they speak to those traditional family values. They talk about love. They talk about acceptance. They talk about perseverance. And I think that that's something that sometimes um, our kids need to hear about, that life is difficult. Even if you're not an orphan, life can be very difficult. And this, mm-hmm. this shows the joy and the rewards of perseverance. And I like that.
0: Well, and the ability for a man to really serve as a father figure in the life of somebody who doesn't have one. And I don't think that means that necessarily, I mean, there's also, I mean, it's kind of an adoption message on a a macro level here, but a lot of us have opportunities to be engaged with young kids through church, through civic organizations. None
1: of these kids get adopted in these movies. They just, they have these father figures in their lives who are willing to show up and, you know, Hmm. to fight for them and give them hope.
3: One of the things that I love, especially about Blue Miracle, actually, just sort of to riff on that, that hope, uh, the father messages that it has, Papa Omar is a big proponent of working hard and doing what's right no matter what. And the theme that comes back again and again, this is a quasi-Christian movie. It has some Christian messages in it. Um, One of the things that I love about it is that it asks the question, Why, you know, one kid asked point blank, Papa Omar, it doesn't look like you're doing that well. You know, you're driving this beat up truck. What is really the reward for doing what's right? Hmm. And the movie answers that in a really poignant way. Sometimes those rewards aren't as tangible as we'd like them to be. And yet it's still worth doing the right thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I love that. And I love having some really positive and inspiring depictions of fathers and father figures, because as I said at the outset, sometimes we get that, you know, the slacker dad, the doofus dad, the schlub dad. And, and that's a, a stereotype that is out there in the entertainment world. And we're living in a time that is, it seems like things are, are pretty sensitive with regard to making fun of anybody, but it's still kind of open season on dads. Why do you think that is?
2: Well, and it's funny, and it's not just like, you know, every once in a while you see the schlub dad or the let's make fun of this dad. It's the overwhelming majority. You know, there's been a shift in entertainment. There's been a shift from father knows best, you know, from the Leave it the Beaver dad, the you know, this this dad that's there to almost this more popular, and I don't know if it was married with children that set it off or what, but also now dad is Al Bundy, the doof that let's make fun of. It's Homer Simpson. It's more laughable, and it seems in most movies there's kind of this, uh, it's almost the thing to do to have this more hurt Central character is like, my dad wasn't there for me. So that's why I think especially 80s movies. Oh man, you know, and and I think that's where these movies stand out. And it's funny how we're like, boy, these movies seem almost a little bit more like throwback, a little wholesome to a time when dads were there because it almost does seem like something of the past. Because today's movies, uh, you know, it's just rare when you actually see that father figure that's there. I I, uh, mentioned a few weeks ago that my wife and I went back and we're binging Friday night lights, the TV series and a uh, coach is one of these dads who's, you know, actually like a good dad and, and a good husband and everything. And it's just so weird to see it on screen. It really is weird <laughs> to see a male character who is doing good things. And so it's kind of cool when you see, especially in these movies, a father pursuing someone, you know, oh, yeah. and, and like, I mean, and I love how, when, you know, Christ wants us to understand what our heavenly father is like. He tells that story of the prodigal son, you know, and that image, especially of when the son's coming back and the father like picks up, you know, his cloak and runs, which was this kind of dishonorable thing to even do is to pick up. Nobody would do that, but this father's like, I don't care. That's my son. And he runs after him. That's how our heavenly father is with us. And to see that kind of on the screen, a father like that is refreshing because it's not something we see
0: very often. Well, and I want to take a little bit of a, uh, maybe a a slight rabbit trail here, because I love that you've brought up how we think about God. Um, I wasn't thinking about that directly when I sort of outlined our conversation today, but I think it's hugely significant that one of the potential influences is If we see our own dad as somebody who's incompetent, let's, you know, I won't use a name calling kind of thing here, but as somebody who's passive, who's disengaged, who doesn't have the basic skills to sort of navigate life, Mm -hmm. you know, how much more or how much is it possible that we see God the same way, that we see God as absent or not involved, um, Studies have
3: actually shown that a lot of how we perceive God can sometimes be reflected in how we perceived our fathers. Um, I was actually writing, helping a guy write a book, and uh, we talked a lot about how difficult his relationship with his father was. And he asked, he was asked one time, how do you perceive God? And he said, I see him. He didn't even think about it. He said, I see him frowning at me. Hmm. And he believes that that was totally reflected in his relationship with his own dad. Um, I think it's really telling. Um, When you look at Our own relationships with our family can be really difficult, right? And a relationship with a father can be trying because, let's be honest, sometimes dads aren't as communicative as we'd like them to be. Sometimes some of us grew up without dads. Mm. Um, There can be some huge issues uh, with that that father child relationship that that you do see to to Jonathan's point being worked out in movies, but at the same time, it's really great when we see these aspirational father figures in these movies because that, as dads as parents ourselves, that's what we want to try to give our kids.
0: Well, what are some of the other ways that you think the TV shows and movies we watch and their depictions of fathers can influence us either positively? Or negatively, and maybe as fathers, or maybe as children, you know, relating to our own fathers.
1: I think that if you grow up and all you ever see is the doofus dad, all you see are these dads who, even like you know, the overworking dad, the dad who you know will shake your hand on graduation but never have an honest emotion with you. You know, Mm -hmm. when if that's all you grow up seeing are these goofy dads who like you never show up, they're kind of um, what was the word you used earlier? They're
0: Passive. Absent. Distant. Distant.
1: All of these things. No. Um, incompetent was the incompetent. word I was actually yeah. looking for. though. Yeah. That's the one you used Schlub. earlier. Schlubby. Whenever, if that's all you grow up seeing on TV, then it almost like in your mind, you know, you could almost sit there and be like, you know what? I'm not going to go to my dad for anything serious. Like if I want to have a good time, I'll go to dad because dad's a doofus. He'll have a good time with me. But if I need help, if I am going through something serious, if anything. I'm going to go to mom because those right. moms in those shows moms are, omnicompetent. are uh, yes, they're almost always shown as like, you know, <laughs> they take care of everything, including their husband, who more often than not is like a man child.
0: Oh, that's I love that man child sort of captures what we're talking about here. You know, it's like you've got three kids and then there's dad and then there's mom and mom holds it all together because dad's trapped in this arrested adolescence.
2: Well, and I don't mind when films show dads to be vulnerable and show them to be imperfect. It's it's okay. We don't we don't need to show, you know, some dad who has no struggles, who's the picture perfect because none of us really had a dad that was picture perfect. Um, I like the dad. I mean, here's an obscure one. Matt Damon in We Bought a Zoo, Mm. uh, a man who recently lost his wife. And he's trying to raise his kids and he's trying to do a good job and he's struggling with depression. He's struggling with the loss of his wife and and his parenting isn't perfect. And there's some scenes that are so well written of his dialogue with his son yelling through the door and and stuff. And it's one of those films that where you watch with your kid. You almost walk out and you could just kind of have a conversation about navigating tough times. And this is tough. And I feel like the kid even realizes, man, it must be tough to be a dad. It must be tough to be a husband. It must be tough to endure loss. And it's kind of cool when you see real dads, not schlub dads, not incompetent dads, but real imperfect dads navigating life um, in a real way and being able to dialogue about that. And that's kind of fun when you can watch entertainment like that
1: no i totally agree with that i've actually um so uh she's not in here but kristen smith reviewed fatherhood kind of a similar situation where you know his wife died and he's raising now his infant daughter you know to adulthood and uh kristen said she cried the whole time she was watching it because it just felt so real the grief he was dealing with while also struggling as a single parent to make it all come together um, another movie that comes to mind, uh, which actually brings us back to Liam Neeson, another great father moment for him, uh, made in Italy. Hmm. Uh, that was actually shot alongside his real-life son. Um, which, if you know their story, the, uh, his wife was actually killed in a skiing accident. So they actually really felt the in the in the movie, the wife had passed away, the mom had passed away, and so it, uh, to shoot it alongside his son, you could see the real father-son emotion there hmm. as they were dealing with wow. the grief of their personal loss, as well as the grief of the character's loss within the movie. But you see this dad who is definitely not perfect. Like he and his son have a very strained relationship and his son is an adult, but, you know, because they're both still grieving the loss of, you know, the wife and the mother. And, uh, but eventually, you know, by just having some honest conversations with each other, by just being together with each other. They kind of, you know, figure it out. They're kind of like, okay, we can process our grief together. We can help each other. And even though, you know, we're both adults now, you can still be a father to Mm. me. You don't, and I can still be your child. I don't have to be, you know, I don't have to take care of you and you don't have to take care of me, but we can be there for each other on that emotional level.
3: One of the things that strikes me about this conversation is just, you're right, there are some really problematic depictions of dad. We can find some really positive depictions. How many movies are made about that father-child relationships? There are hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds, and it shows the importance, the critical importance of that relationship that I think sometimes gets lost in this culture. When I think about the movies that move me, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, those father-child relationships are They can move me to tears like nothing else. Mm. And some of the most realistic depictions that I think we see of fathers is actually in animated movies and mm. cartoons. I think about another movie that you reviewed this year, The Mitchells vs. the Machines. That's
1: what I was thinking of as you were saying this. <laughs> it
3: has a really imperfect father figure that has a really difficult relationship with the and daughter. And he
1: kind of starts off as a doofus dad. If you watch the first 10 minutes of the film, you would think he was a doofus dad.
3: But then it beautifully explains why he comes across that way. And yep. you, you see the tension, you know, the, the Crudes, which we talked about. Uh, Finding Nemo, I think, is oh, a beautiful
0: example. <laughs> or, oh, oh, my hands up! My uh, hands up! <laughs> onward,
3: onward, onward! Exactly. You have up, these. Up. <laughs> oh, you yeah. can just go oh. on and on and on and on with these examples, and it just expresses how deeply, I think, how deeply we long for, even if we didn't have it ourselves, how deeply we long for that connection. How critically important it is for us. And as a dad, I found sometimes these movies convicting because I find myself measuring Mm. myself up to the dads we see on screen.
0: Well, and I think this is a good place to begin to bring our conversation in for a landing today. And like all good podcast conversations, I feel like we're just getting started. Um, I sort of started with the thesis, if you will, that dads are often depicted negatively. And I think Jonathan's right. I think especially in comedy, maybe if we focus on comedy, Um, dads are, you know, often treated as a stereotype and there, there are these assumptions about dad's incompetence, but if we dig a little deeper, we can find a lot of movies that have a pretty nuanced, pretty complex, pretty challenging in a good way depiction of the ups and downs and the goods and bads of being a dad.
1: And, you know, I think it's important to just think about this when you're looking at sitcoms and stuff with doofus dads. You know, I think specifically I'm thinking of Home Improvement with Tim Allen. In that TV show, you're laughing at the dad. And then in his new show, Last Man Standing, you're not laughing at him. You're laughing with him Mm. because he's not the doofus dad. He's just he makes jokes and everything. But now you're laughing with him instead of laughing at him.
0: I love that. And I think that. It's really great to be making those sorts of critical distinctions because the reality is the entertainment that we choose shapes our perception of what's right, of what's good, of what's normal. And if we have a steady diet as families of shows and movies that I think make light of or undermine fatherhood, that can show up. And even in my own life, I have to admit Sometimes I will make a self-deprecating joke at my own expense in my family with my kids. And what I'm modeling there is dad may not be worthy of respect. And I wonder how much some of this popular entertainment stuff has even played into that. Even, you know, even though it's my job to think critically about it, these sorts of worldviews come in. They permeate the way that we live. They shape our relationships. They shape our expectations. And And at the plugged in show one of the things we want to do is just to continue to encourage you to think critically about this stuff to to evaluate and the goal here is not perfection that we have to get it all right that we never watch the wrong thing or listen to the wrong thing but that we're aware that what we might think of as just entertainment is actually a lot more than that it's reflecting a point of view and reflecting a way of living and being and thinking about the world Sometimes it's really great that we can take away inspiring messages from, and sometimes there are messages there that really are deserving of our sort of active discernment and wisdom to think through them. Uh, And maybe that means we just say no to it, uh, or at the very least, that we have a conversation afterwards so that we can keep kicking these things around. So what did you think of our conversation today? Which TV or movie fathers do you love or hate? Let us know on Facebook or on our Instagram page, which you'll find at Plugged In Team. And we would love to keep this discussion going with you. In fact, I have a fan comment I'd like to share with you. Ashley, our producer, has that for us. Ashley?
1: Yeah, that comment came in from Anna on Facebook. She says, I listened to your most recent podcast about what characters we resonated with as young kids. I really resonated with the outcasts. In Saved by the Bell, I resonated with Screech. Now when I watch things with or without my kids, I try to see how I can help them learn from what they watch and learn how to treat people too. Anna goes on to say, we remind our kids that God loves everyone and to treat others how you want to be treated.
0: Thanks, Ashley. You know, what I love about this is that Anna really shows us how to connect the dots between media discernment And our families, you know, what does it look like to have a conversation with what we're watching and how it might be influencing us and affecting us? Anna, thanks for letting us know what's on your mind and sharing how the Plugged In Show has encouraged you. We loved hearing from you. Thank you so much. Well, as we wrap things up, we hope that you have enjoyed our discussion about fatherhood on screen. And as our way of saying thank you for being a part of the Plugged In Show family, today for a gift of any amount we'd love to send you a copy of the book, Seven Traits of Effective Parenting, written by Focus on the Family Vice President of Parenting, Dr. Daniel Huerta. This is an excellent parenting tool that reflects some of the concepts we talked about today. You'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on our plugged-in blog entry for our conversation today. Or if you prefer, you can always just give us a call at 800 A Family. As always, thanks so much for spending some time with us, and we look forward to connecting with you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show.